Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. My guest is Tom Dunkel. He's a chief investment officer of Bellrose Storage Group. And as you can imagine, they do self-storage. So we had a lot, of, a lot of fun on this podcast. I got to kind of indulge all my questions around that space. It's um, a space that has some parallels to multifamily with some very noticeable differences that we dive into. So we talked about um, how they very intentionally built their team before they started their acquisitions. We talk about what that team looks like, how they joined a mastermind, brought in a business coach to kind of structure their core values and the vision for the company, built the team, and then went out and started executing. I really liked how he walked through that. We talk about their capital structure, what they're doing for debt, what they're seeing for debt in the self-storage space, how they're structuring the equity for their investors, um, and what they're looking for in the deals they go after. So they're, it's a value-add model where they're going, going in, buying from mom and pop operators, creating some value through efficiency. Some of the automation stuff was really cool. At the end, he shares some stories of some crazy things they've seen, as uh, a lot of us real estate investors have, have seen over the years. So great interview. Tom's a sharp guy, has a background in corporate finance, and um, really enjoyed listening to how they've built that team and structured everything. So I think you're going to enjoy that too. If you're listening and have enjoyed this podcast, nothing would mean more to me than a five-star review on Apple. If you can go in there and leave a review, that helps the reach of the podcast. We're trying to ramp that up in 2023. So if you could go leave us a five-star review, that'd be very much appreciated. And I think you guys are going to enjoy this interview with Tom. So we'll get to it. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE has been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode is also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com, a complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, Devin, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I, I'm excited to, to talk with you today. We're talking a little bit in the green room because um, you guys are doing self-storage in a lot of different markets in the in the U.S., and that's not something that uh, we spend a lot of time on at our firm or any time at all. So I think this is going to be great for, for me to, to, to learn about. I think it's going to be great for the audience to, to kind of dive in. Um, maybe you could kind of set the stage for, for what, you know, who, what your company is and, and does, you know, and, and that, and we can kind of go from there. Sure. Of course. Uh, well, again, thanks for having me, Devin. Uh, appreciate the invite. Uh, yeah. So I'm Tom Dunkel. I'm chief investment officer here at uh, Bellrose storage group. And, uh, we are a, uh, self-storage owner operator and we, uh, currently have, uh, facilities in seven States. Uh, about a quarter million square feet, uh, over 2,000 units, and um, you know we're 
we love the space. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, there's, uh, I know you, Devin, and probably a lot of the listeners are very familiar with multifamily. Sure. And there's a lot of parallels between self-storage and multifamily. I'm actually a multifamily limited partner investor myself. I've been investing in multifamily since 2013. But uh, there are some very important differences, uh, too, uh, from self-storage uh, versus multifamily. Sure. Uh, but certainly, you know, at the at the parallel level, you know, there's all those key things that we're looking for in the market where we're looking at a self-storage facility. So just like multifamily, you know, we're looking for that growing population, the growing jobs, you know, lower crime, um, infrastructure investments being made. You know, we want to see that it's a robust growing area, diverse economy, you know, it's not a one factory town kind of thing. So, because all of those things, of course, drive demand, not only for apartments, but for storage. Um, and so, you know, we have, uh, we follow those demographic trends largely. So folks are kind of in general moving from kind of the Northeast and, you know, heading down uh, to the South Southeast. And so we're, uh, we're in those markets. So we're in North Carolina and Florida, Georgia. Uh, we're looking at a couple of deals right now in Alabama, closed on one in, in Kentucky, um, so yeah, so we're we're down in those in those states riding those uh, those demographic waves, but we are uh, by and large a value add player, meaning that we're buying existing facilities. Uh, these are mom and pop run facilities, and you know moms and pops that you know it's, they don't really run it like a professional operation. Uh, so their rents are typically way below market because they they want to keep their uh, their units artificially, uh, you know, occupied, if you will. And because yeah, right. uh, the last thing they want to do is have a cool website, you know, functional website, um, run a marketing campaign, you know, deal with uh, investor churn or not investor, but customer churn. Right. And then uh, those kinds of things. But of course, those are the things that we do all day, every day. And, and, and we love it. So we have a fantastic operations team. And so we go in and we run these uh, facilities like professionals and we modernize them and we crank up the value. And that's what we do. I love it. Well, thank you for the overview. Really appreciate that. And there's mm -hmm. definitely a lot of parallels with multifamily with some notable differences, as you alluded to, um, not having tenants live there, probably a pretty big one. Uh, no plumbing sure. on site, I imagine. Maybe some hose bibs, but <laughs> certainly not at the unit level, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so some of the key differences, uh, Devin, are, are uh, like you just touched on, right? So we're, we don't really have uh, the tenants and the toilets. Uh, unfortunately, we do have some trash <laughs> that, sure. that customers will leave behind. But, uh, you know, the, so we've got that going for us. We also, um, in the in the turnaround process, right? So when a, when a tenant leaves an apartment, right? The apartment owner wants to go in and, you know, do the paint, do the carpet, change out the countertops, upgrade the lighting package, you know, those kinds of things, which takes, you know, a fair bit of time and money. And so that clock is ticking, right? Uh, whereas in self-storage, I mean, let's face it, it's a metal box with concrete floor and roll-up door. And we can typically, if a, if a customer moves out in the morning, we can have that puppy zoo, uh, broom swept and re-rented later on that day. Uh, so we keep that 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 velocity going on the revenue and the cash flow, which is good. And further to that point, Devin, uh, in a self storage facility, our our operating 
uh, expenses for every hundred dollars that comes in, our operating expenses are about 35 or 40 bucks. So that means $60 or more is going to the bottom line Well, going to the net operating income so we can service our debt. And that leaves plenty of cash flow uh, left over for our investors. I believe, you know, multifamily is about the reverse of that. It it is. Yeah. 50, 60% expense ratio versus 30, 35. I mean, that's really, really attractive. Yeah. Um, we actually had a facility that we sold uh, last year that uh, we, were, we were able to get our expense ratio down to uh, 18%. <laughs> over yeah. like in a sustained period of time? Or is that like a good a good? Yeah, month? no, it was over, it was over uh, like the last six months that we owned it. Uh, it wow. was a larger facility. So you get some economies of scale on larger sure. facilities. Um, yep. But we have a manager and again, it just kind of goes back to our operations team and how awesome they are. I mean, they this guy is just a rock star and he he was just making sure that the expenses were low and the revenue was high. So what, what more do you want? Exactly. <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a winner. Yeah. So what kind of cap rates are these things trading at? When I mean that's uh that sounds awesome. And I'm sure the sure. buyer and the buyer's lender were happy about that. But you know, in you know, is there an established cap rate? Is it different based on your different geographies? What does that look like? Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it varies by geography. So we've paid anywhere from uh, on the low end, we've paid a five cap before for, for a facility. Uh, and we've paid up to like a seven and a half or maybe an eight cap, you know, bef- before the things got really kind of frothy last year. Sure, but yeah, sure. it depends on the market. Um, we're typically, uh, we're, we're a smaller firm or agile firm. Um, you know, we're never, we never set out to be the biggest self-storage player out there uh, by any sure. means. Uh, but we're a, we're a smaller elite team and, uh, you know, we, we love to execute. And so, you know, we're really focused on uh, those opportunities that are where we're not banging up against the big guys, right? So right. we're going to be in the secondary markets and the tertiary markets. So we're not in Atlanta. We're, you know, a few miles outside Atlanta in those in those kinds of markets. Yeah, I love it. Where you can still find those mom and pop operators where there's a lot of efficiency. Um, that's right. That's awesome. So you mentioned the team. What What is the team look like now and I, and I guess I'm always really curious to know how it got there right you probably didn't start with the you know existing team overnight um but I'm super into team building and super fascinated by people that are able to do that well how did that work for yeah. you guys man that's a great question um so I've been uh, I left corporate America 16 going on 17 years ago and so I've been uh as, you know of course when I started out as an entrepreneur I was I had a good background, right? You know, business school and good corporate background and stuff. But man, I didn't realize, you know, a lot of how difficult some things were going to be. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I first went into it myself. I'm like, ah, I don't need a team. I can do this, you know? And uh, so, you know, certainly, you know, was smashing through walls and doing all those things that entrepreneurs like to do. You know, we typically like to do things uh, the hard way. But now uh, you'll see over my shoulder here, the book, uh, Who Not How. I make sure to keep that visible to me because because now it's like, all right, who can I find that's going to help me solve this problem or overcome this obstacle? It's not just me like banging around. So. Uh, so yeah, so my business partner, Joe Downs and I, we started out in the uh, distressed mortgage debt business in 2010. And so, yeah, we were banging around in some other businesses as well. Uh, hard money lending, 
uh, rental properties, you know, fix and flips, you know, some residential kinds of things. And so by the time uh, we <laughs> kind of survived those ventures, we're like, you know what? You know, we really like the self-storage thing. Let's approach it the right way <laughs> and not just, uh, you know, jump in and start buying stuff. So so we started getting educated. Uh, we took a deep dive to get educated in, in self-storage starting about 17, 18, 2019 okay. and there. And along the way, we were like, hey, you know, while we're, the, while we're learning here, we have some gaps in our skill set that we need to fill. Right. So Joe and I are, you know, we're, we're pretty good at, you know, financial guys, you know, we can raise the money. We understand the debt, you know, we understand how those financial markets work and we can put together the investors, you know, we've raised money before from, from our other businesses. Um, but we're like, Hey, you know, we really are missing this lead generation piece. So sure. we joined a self-storage mastermind group and uh, through that group, again, just getting educated. We're like, hey, you know, we need to find a, a a lead generation guy. So that's how we came up uh, to partner with our our third our third partner, Tim Kane, who's our uh, chief operating officer. He's a he's awesome at lead generation. That's one of his skill sets. But he was not so good at the financial side of things. So it was a really good, you know, hand in glove fit there. So started out the three of us and, and Joe and I had already had, you know, a couple of back office people that were helping with the other businesses. So they've, um, you know, they've been doing their thing, counting the beans and whatnot. But, you know, I always say that, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to buy real estate, right? If you, if you pay cash close tomorrow, you know, at asking price or better, you're going to buy as much real estate as you can get your hands on, no doubt. Uh, but then you got to operate it. Right. So that was yep. another piece that was missing for us. So again, through our self-storage mastermind group and just getting educated, we're like, hey, we really need a, a rock star operator. And so uh, we found our way to uh, Catherine East of uh, Elite Self-Storage Advisors. Uh, she's been in the self-storage industry for 16 years now. Uh, she's formerly the executive director of the Missouri uh, Self-Storage Owners Association. Uh, she's done uh, transition and consulting and auditing work at self-storage facilities all around the country. Um, so she's an expert in, in self-storage operations. And so she became kind of that last key piece of the puzzle that we needed. And so it wasn't until we had that whole team together, Devin, that we we said, okay, let's, let's go buy our first facility. So we bought that in uh, 2020. And uh, we sold it a couple of years later, a really nice profit. We bought our second facility, <laughs> sold that one at a really nice profit. So, you know, it's, I'm really excited about our, our team. Uh, we're poised for a, a really strong year this year, 2023, and uh, just super excited about it. Yeah, I really love, well, thanks for the uh, illumination on that. I think that's really important for people to hear, especially those yeah. solopreneurs like like I was and like um, people listening maybe are and, sure. um, very tempting to just constantly execute yourself. I really yeah. like how you guys built the team first um, and, and then yeah. went out and started executing. I mean, but you build that platform and then, and then go out there. I love that. Um, yeah. So did you guys set some targets? Cause you know, you're bringing on salaries and stuff and you kind of have to go first with <laughs> kind of the, the bet and then sure. it pays off later. And that's always kind of an interesting proposition as an entrepreneur. Were sure. there some big targets you set out or did you guys just kind of collectively say, hey, you know, if we 
we hit this minimum threshold of deals. We're going to be able to cover, cover expenses, keep the lights on. What, you know, what was your approach with, with that part of it as you built the team? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. So that actually brings in kind of the, the other part of the business of trying to do it the right way as opposed to the hard way. Sure, sure. Uh, we actually brought in a, a business coach. And Beautiful. so the Beautiful. coach um, really helped us, you know, really uh, kind of solidify our vision for the company, our core values um, and what we call our flywheel, which is our, the five key areas of the business that, you know, we, if we focus on those areas, you know, we're going to get that momentum and we're going to, you know, just catch, catch big Mo as they call it and, and build the company. So we set out uh, with a three-year target of acquiring 150 million. Mo? Is that mo- big, momentum? Catch big, big Mo. Momentum. Yeah. Momentum. <laughs> I love it, man. And that is so true. I mean, it, momentum is super yeah. hard to get. And once you have it, it yeah. is a superpower. So I interrupted there. So 150 million was the target on acquisition side. Yeah, so we were looking to acquire 150 million uh, in three years over a three-year period. Um, we're yeah, we're we're tracking pretty well, but Leah, one of the things we're not ever going to do is uh, is just do a deal just to do a deal, right? Because we're we're investing our money, we're investing our investors' <laughs> money, Absolutely. and of course, our investors over the years have our you know friends and family, and and of course, we've we've grown our investor database. Uh, from there, but you know, we uh, we certainly don't want to uh, make any missteps there. Um, so it's a it's a number that we thought we could get to, which um, would be exciting for the team, right? Because the team needs to, you know, right. kind of gel around that that common goal, right? That we're all working toward, right? And um, but you know, we're we're still you know very very disciplined in our in our approach. <clears throat> I love it. Yeah. I love all of that. This is like a textbook on, I think, how to do it right in terms of getting a coach, joining a mastermind, putting the the pieces in place, beginning with the end in mind. I mean, you know, none of this is is stuff you guys, concepts that you invented, but sure. as we all know, the execution is <laughs> really a lot different than, than, the, yep. uh, than the idea and the planning. But I, I just love all that stuff. Sounds like you guys have executed really well on that. Um, I'm I'm always fascinated by capital. I, I always have been. I used to keep budgets when I was a kid. And I think still within our business, that's one of the most fascinating things for me and the, how the debt markets are working, investors, all that stuff. So I always like to learn about people's um, capital stacks. I mean, are you guys just doing a, you know, simple debt and, and one class of equity? Are you doing equity from investors? Are you bringing anything complex with pref equity or mezzanine or, or is it, you know, how do you guys do that? And how do you, how do you structure it for investors? Sure. Yeah. Good question. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty simple where we do uh, right now we're doing every deal uh, on its own. So it's deal by deal where we don't have a fund. Yep. Um, I, you know, there's pros and cons to that. The one thing I do like about it is it, 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 uh, gives a lot more uh, transparency and visibility to the investor, right? Rather than just no putting money into a fund and you're not sure where it's going to go. It's like, Hey, here's uh, you know, here's premier self storage in Douglasville, Georgia. And this is what it looks like. And it is you on know. Google. Yeah. And so, um, so we really like that, but yeah, we're, we're getting uh, bank debt and uh, which has been interesting the last, uh, you know, couple of months, things have been For pretty sure. dy- dynamic in that world. Uh, yeah. But typically, yeah, we're getting the best execution on debt with, uh, with uh, credit unions and smaller local or regional banks, uh, not the big boys. And uh, we've steered clear of like the securitized markets, the CMBS. Um, uh, they typically like uh, 
you know, to do bigger deals with, you know, kind of longer uh, time horizons. Um, yep. Our value add strategy is a pretty quick turnaround strategy. It's, you know, two to three years. Nice. And so okay. a lot of those debt uh, vehicles um, will have pretty hefty uh, prepayment penalties or defeasance yep. or you know, whatever you want to call that. But it's, um, yeah, so, so that's why we've been getting the better execution on the uh, the credit unions and the and the smaller re- regional banks. Just in terms of deal size, I mean, it, what what kind of a loan balance are we talking about, and what kind of a what kind of leverage is a is a ballpark on what you guys mm-hmm. are seeing out there on these types of deals? Yeah, sure. So uh, our our average deal size is around three million bucks. Um, so our loan size is about two million, uh, sure. give or take. Yep. And uh, so they're you know it's typically we we've been in the 75 percent loan to value. Range sure. and actually, it's another good thing, Devin, about those those smaller local uh, banks. So some of them are are willing to go a little higher yeah. on the leverage. Now, you know, in our in our deal in Bowling Green, Kentucky, that we did a few months back, uh, that lender was actually uh, offering to to go to eighty percent loan to value. But kind of knowing where we were in the economic cycle, we were like, eh, we don't really want to get crazy here with the leverage, so we'll we'll stick to right. seventy five, where yep. you know the numbers still look really good. Um, yeah, so we were conservative in that regard. Sure, sure. Build a little cushion. And I imagine, you know, local banks, uh, these kind of guys, recourse debt, are you guys a couple of partners signing on that? Or how, how did you guys get comfortable with that? Yeah, it is recourse. And uh, me and my partners do, do sign for the debt. Um, reason that uh, I can sleep at night <laughs> uh, doing that is, uh, I don't know if folks out there realize this, but self-storage. Uh, pretty much has a zero uh, default rate. Um, you can it. you can look it up. Uh, you know you can Google anything these days. But uh, if you look up the the uh, asset classes in real estate with uh, you know their different default rates, um, going from memory here. So I don't know if, if I'll get this exactly right, but it's like you know hotels are like the highest, and then office, and then it kind of goes down from there. And then you know multifamily is really good, and then self storage is is even better. Love it. Uh, so yeah, pretty yeah. comfortable signing for the debt there. Yeah, you're kind of at the far end of the spectrum in terms of default rate, which is really mm-hmm. good. The other thing, you know, I've been following all this stuff on Twitter, all this uh, SMB stuff, people buying businesses and using these uh, using these SBA loans loans, mm-hmm. which seems to be a great 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 program. But in my mind, as a real estate guy, I just can't wrap my head around personally guaranteeing a multi million dollar loan for like an HVAC business that has like mm-hmm. zero. Intrinsic value, right? I mean, the customers leave and the business was right. zero. Your metal building, the concrete pad, the zoning, <laughs> the dirt, that's all intrinsic value where like the likelihood of you, I mean, first of all, you mentioned the default rate is so low, but you're collateralized with an asset, just like the sure. bank is. And yep. so, I, you know, and, and you're also, this is not a $50 million loan on an asset we're talking about, maybe that's over right. a portfolio, but um, I like that. I, I appreciate that because that's always kind of a conversation in the multifamily world is like, Hey, these, these uh, loans we're getting are non-recourse, which is, which is nice, but it's not the end of the world to have recourse debt. If you, if you structure it well. So I appreciate the explanation. Sure. That. Yeah. And even, and Devin, even some of the lenders, they'll actually um, have like a phase out of the, of the recourse aspects as well. Over time. So, over time. Yeah. So if, if we hit certain benchmarks and metrics, uh, you know, debt service coverage ratio gets to a sure. certain point or, or the value increases to a certain point, you know, then they're, they know they're really well covered. And so they'll release us from our uh, recourse obligation. 
Interesting. Yeah. The longer you're performing in it, the the less they're concerned about it, basically. So they'll kind of let that's you. Right. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'm, you know, I, ideally it's a non-issue forever, but right. um, certainly worth, worth exploring. Okay. Sure. okay. So you got the, you got the leverage 65, 70%. Is it, is it just equity coming in on top and are you guys writing equity check and your investors writing equity check or is it, is it more complex than that? Or is it that straightforward? Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward, Devin. So we have, uh, we have two, two, actually two classes of, uh, of uh, interests in our deals. Sure. Um, class A is the, the passive investors that are coming in. Um, you know, the, the, the professionals who are you know just looking for a, a good place to, to invest their money. So they're, our average investor comes in for about a hundred thousand bucks, but we have them, you know, we have $50,000 minimum and we've nice. haven't have it, had investors come up, uh, 400, 500,000. Sure. Um, but yeah, through, uh, we have some af- affiliate companies and things that, uh, where we have our, our own money. And so those, those entities will invest alongside, uh, as well. So we're, we're eating our own cooking there. That's right. Um, and then uh, the class B shares go to the sponsors. So that's, sure. you know, me and my partners is, uh, so it, I think it helps to keep our interests aligned very well uh, with the investors because yeah. uh, yeah. our, our compensation as sponsors is very, very back end loaded. So we have to hit certain metrics to really make it worth our while. I mean, we make some fees up front, but they're not <laughs> keeping the lights on. Right. You yeah. know, like we talked about earlier, we've got, we do have a whole team, and uh, sure. we, so we do have, you know, rent and overhead and salaries and, you know, those kinds of things that we have to pay. Um, and so we chip away at that with the fees up front, but substantially our, our, our income is really back end loaded, which, which keeps us nicely aligned with the investors' interests as well. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We in multifamily typically see like a 70, 30 split. Is it similar to, do you guys do something similar or is it? Is it different than that? Do you have different waterfalls? Yeah, so we we have a we've tried different things over the years, but where we're at right now is um, we're typically ha- have a preferred uh, a preferred uh, return, right? So preferred uh, payments, and that depends on the deal and kind of where we are with the world. <laughs> but it's generally in the six to eight uh, percent range, Beautiful. and. Um, we we actually we used to pay those quarterly, but we thought with the, just a little tiny bit more work, we we can pay them monthly, which I think you know investors like to see that you know that that money come in each month. So we, so those get paid out monthly, yep. and then um, we do have a waterfall. So when the when the property sold, you know, to, as is typical with pretty much every type of real estate deal, you know the the big hit is on the back end. So yep. when the property sold. Uh, we get the investors to a hurdle uh, rate, and then uh, beyond that hurdle rate, the um, the economics flip in our favor. So uh, right now it's an 80-20 up to a 15% IRR. So it's 80% to the investors. Nice. Once we get them to a 15 IRR, then it flips uh, 20-80. Uh, so yep. 80, 80 to the sponsors. Yeah. So really strong incentive for you guys to get them at least to 15 IRR, which is fantastic. Yeah. Hundred percent. We always gear our deals to Devon so that the investors uh, getting to uh, you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, you know that high teens for a value add deal. Uh, if there are if there are some moving part, more moving parts with the deal, so uh, we're getting ready to to acquire a facility where we're going to be doing a pretty large expansion. So with that additional risk, we like to get our investors up to you know twenty ish, uh, right twenties. Right, because there's just more going on with that project. So that's, that's a nice, be, yeah, longer. It's going to take a little while longer and a little bit more risk. So a little bit more compensation for taking on that risk. 
One of the nice things about the model, the deal by deal model that you guys employ is being able to tailor that per project. I mean, there are different geographies, different sizes, different capital stacks. I mean, they really are unique, even if they're kind of all within your, your buy box, but you could tailor that or a little more risk construction, yeah. longer, longer time till payout, you know, pref payout maybe. And the returns are a little higher to kind of offset that. So I love, that's right. I love being able yeah. to structure that. Um, I remember when we, when we moved to our, and one of our investor portal we're using now, this is years ago, kind of had the same process, like let's pay a monthly. I mean, you know, you got this pref annually that's sure. Occurring. We pay it quarterly. Let's pay it monthly. It's a little bit more, you know, set up on the team side, but it's, it's all ACH and uh, people seem to really That's like right. it. Same, That's same right. dollar amount. It's just more, uh, I call it 12 dopamine hits instead of four in a year. And why not? Right. If That's right. It's, it's another, it's another touch, right. With your, with your investors and, you know, knock on wood, our, our investors are typically, uh, you know, coming back for the next deal sure. and they're, you know, upsizing their uh, investment and bringing their friends. So I, I guess we're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, it's uh, definitely the name of the game is, is uh, it's funny. I, I saw something just to reference Twitter again. Somebody said, what's a, what's a gift that, you know, things appropriate for your investors. And one of the comments, I kind of got a chuckle. They said double digit returns. Uh, <laughs> right. That's pretty much that's pretty much it. And what we found on yeah. the analytics too, is we write really nice reports and updates and everything. And you kind of mm -hmm. see like, this isn't getting as much mm. uh, attention as you might think it would. Yeah. But the returns, you know, that's really like 80% of the communication is that. That's right. So that's, that's right. Um, well, I wanted to ask you because of the nature of your space about, about automation. I mean, you already have so many things stripped out versus say like multifamily or, you know, single family rentals or all these other real estate avenues. If it's working right, it's, pr it's pretty much just stuff. Um, but is there, you know, from a management and automation perspective, how does that work in your, in your space? Sure. Well, um, that's one of the big value adds that we bring to these mom and pop facilities sure. is imagine. we do, we do modernize them. So we're, we're using, you know, the state of the art software. And um, so, and as an example of the technology that we, that we throw in there, um, we have uh, these security cameras that are solar powered, they're Wi-Fi enabled, and so they awesome. just kind of stick on the side of the building and, you know, they're like freestanding. Uh, no, it's, I mean, it, they, they, but they're, they're like self-contained, right? They're self-contained. Yeah. It's a self-contained little unit and yeah. get this. This is, this is really cool. Uh, the, uh, if we pick up something on the camera, like if it's at night and someone's not supposed to be there, we can actually speak to the people oh, through it. the, through the camera. <laughs> Hey, you. And so it's like big brother, like, whoa, where's that voice coming from? I have that at my house. It's creepy and it's super cool. Yeah. 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 So it's, so it's, it, it allows us to keep, you know, keep, you know, the riffraff uh, out of the facility say, Hey, you know, we're, we're calling the cops if you don't beat it, you know, in 30 That's seconds awesome. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it also helps with the customer. So if there's a customer there who's having a difficulty or something isn't going right, they, they can have communication with, uh, with the manager uh, through the camera. Um, yeah. So that allows us to have, you know, one manager now can cover, you know, multiple facilities. Uh, right. They're not just sitting in the office, you know, twiddling their thumbs all day. Uh, they've got multiple facilities that they're responsible for. 
and they can, you know, with the era of technology today, uh, they can handle uh, answering the phone and, you know, all that just remotely, which allows us to keep our personnel expense quite low, uh, right. which helps like we were talking about earlier with our, with our expense ratio. Yeah. So that's how you get to 18% expense ratio. <laughs> that's right. I like it. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, today, right. I mean, so, and especially during COVID, right. People are wanting to do more and more through their smartphones. Absolutely. So yeah. at our facilities um, on the gate, uh, which uh, has its own software, believe it or not, I didn't even realize this before I got into self-storage, but there's actually gate software, okay. <laughs> but uh, there's a uh, QR code on the, uh, on the fence. And so uh, someone who's driving by is like, Hey, I want to store my stuff there. They can just go right up. They can scan the QR code, um, do a little electronic paperwork, you know, sign electronically, and then they'll get their gate code then and there. And they can uh, enter the facility there. They'll be directed to their unit. Uh, they roll up the door. There's a lock inside waiting for them and they just empty in their stuff and lock it up and away they go. And now we've got a customer who, by the way, is on auto pay. Sure. So when they we sign on that. Yeah, right. That's right. We sign yeah. them up with a credit card. And so then it becomes oh. like a planet fitness model, right? So it. it's more of a pain to go down to the facility and empty out their unit and you know, move it across town to save, you know, 10, 20 bucks a month. Not gonna uh, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Man, I'm pretty jealous. Your, your customer acquisition is like, is fully automated. Your barrier entry is really low. I mean, it's fully autonomous. That is so cool. And I think yeah. just one of the, one of the nice things about the space, I don't know that apartments will ever quite get there. <laughs> right. So uh, I love it. Well, I yeah. want to kind of finish up with, um, Maybe you have some for me, maybe you don't, but you know, any crazy stories you ever, you guys ever find a, a pile of gold in one of these things or a dead body or a, you know, we, when we were kids, we used to rent these and our bands would practice in them. Um, <laughs> nice. So, I, And then I would see people working there in the middle of the night, like in this tiny little storage unit, like I guess guys would like make man caves out of them. So I don't know if you guys ever run across any crazy stories uh, owning these units. Oh yeah. Yeah. Devin, I, I, I actually, I with. I wish Catherine East was here, our operations expert who's been all over the country because she she has found dead bodies. Oh my god. Um yeah, uh you know, drug activity for sure, uh yeah. prostitutes, for I mean sure. all <laughs> kinds of stuff, right? Um, but yeah, it's it it is unfortunate and and uh and we do uh run into homeless uh issues from time to time. So the the facility I mentioned earlier in, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, I mean that was one of the first things that we had to do was you know, they're they're basically renting a mini home for uh you know 200 bucks a month, you know, way cheaper than any apartment. So unfortunately, yeah. we do have a homeless issue from time to time. But again, that's a mom and pop thing. Yep. yep. So moms and pops are like they they just turn a blind eye. They don't want to deal with it. Uh our professionals come in and and we clean that up uh right away. Uh so but yeah there's there is crazy stuff. Um and we do we do find some cool things uh from time to time that people leave behind. Um uh uh, so like, I know one guy had, uh, left behind like a bunch of world war II memorabilia and stuff. Cool. So there were like some, uh, some old kind of trinkets and stuff and like mess kits and, uh, foot lockers and some cool, huh. cool stuff like that. And the uh, way the law, the lease is written or the law and the safety operate is that, is that just y'all stuff to divvy up at the office basically, if you want to. 
if they abandon it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. and as long as you brought it up, I mean, that's another big difference uh, it, between multifamily and, and self storage is yeah. is our uh, eviction process since it's it's lien law, right? It's not landlord tenant law. Um, awesome. We actually just we provide a notice uh, after sixty the sixty first day, and then you know that notice basically says you know we're selling your stuff in ten days, and uh, and by the way the, the you know the gate software I was amazed about uh, we can actually shut folks out if who are behind so they can't enter the facility using their gate code right. uh, oh, unless, unless they're timely. So, uh, but yeah, we can we can sell their stuff, and and if the unit is deemed abandoned. Um, which again, it's very short time frame. Uh, then yeah, that's that stuff uh, turns over to us, which would be interesting in our facility uh, outside Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, it's actually a mix of of storage and RV. So I don't know. I'm hoping maybe someday I end up with an RV. <laughs> right. I mean, lean law is a lot easier than landlord law. So hundred uh, percent. I mean, as a recovering yeah, landlord myself, man. Woo. That's some crazy, crazy stuff. That's where the crazy stories are, is yeah. uh, you know, uh, landlord-tenant stuff. <laughs> I talked to you all day about that, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I figured you had some stories with, with that, and I appreciate you indulging me on that. Um, sure. Tom, this has been awesome. I, I, I love this. I've admired it from afar. You know, I probably will remain, you know, maybe an LP investor in these types of things, but we've got our, our own thing going on in Texas with multifamily and other stuff. But I, I love learning about it. Uh, a little jealous of some of the differences between the asset classes, but um, really admire the team you put together and the way you guys are executing. Um, and I, I got to get one more question. And what are you sure. guys seeing for 20? We're talking like real early in 2023 right now, and this podcast will come out early in 2023. What do you guys see for the year ahead? Is the debt mark, are the debt markets like completely skewing things for you guys? Or is it just a little bit of a headwind? And, you know, how are you guys approaching kind of the year in front of us? Yeah, we're we're hopeful, Devin. Uh, we uh, like we talked about a little earlier. You know, the last few months have definitely been a little little dynamic in the in the lending sure. world. But uh, I, we see that kind of mellowing out over the next uh, couple months, maybe maybe three to six months. Um, I think the the second half of the year, uh, they're saying we're going to be entering recession potentially. Sure. Uh, it's funny to me because it's it's always like a self fulfilling prophecy because the banks are like, oh, I think we're heading for a recession. So what do they do? They pull back lending. Yeah. So guys like me, we can't borrow. So we're you know we can't get that project going, which is going to create jobs and you know and add to the economy. And then all of a sudden we're oh we're in a recession. I told you. <laughs> yeah. I, I but uh, but no, we're we're excited. We're we're actually in a very strong cash position and we, we have been anticipating kind of the slowdown for, for a while. So we're, we're anticipating uh, some pretty uh, good deals to come up uh, probably second half of the year. And so we're, we're ready to, ready to pounce. We've got the, the team uh, ready to rock and roll on, on those opportunities. Yeah. I love it. Well, look, I, I wish you guys the best in the year ahead. Uh, somebody listening wants to connect, learn more, find, you know, get on the list, all that fun stuff. What's a, what's a good avenue for that? Sure. Yeah. Thanks again, Devin. This has been great. Uh, yeah. Go to bellrosestoragegroup.com. It's B-E-L-R-O-S-E storagegroup.com. And uh, you can learn about our team and our portfolio and our backgrounds, all that good stuff. And you can also uh, at that website, you can register in our investor portal 
And that's where we do all of our communications with our investor uh, database as far as you know, de new deals coming up. And then we also like to add value in between deals by you know, sharing interesting articles or, you know, or my podcast interviews or, you know, any other uh, cool happenings that might be in our portfolio, you know, we'll, we'll share those things uh, through the portal as well. Excellent. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you can scroll down to the description and click right through to the website. So that'll be there. And I encourage you guys to reach out. Um, Tom, thanks, man. This has been awesome. Appreciate you indulging me on, on learning all about this space. And um, like I said, wish you guys success in the year ahead. Thank you. Sure thing, Devin. Thanks so much. And best of luck to you as well. Awesome. Thanks very much. See ya. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.